1903, the Lumiere brothers patented the first technique to get color photographs in one exposure. The secret ingredient was potatoes. Grains of potato starch was colored in red, green and blue, and so small as to be invisible to the naked eye, was mixed together with a light sensitive emulsion and painted directly onto the screen plate, ready to be used. Welcome to Two Thirds Focused. I am maybe full of science today? No, you're not. And I'm red. Oh, oh never mind. <laughs> and I'm Jan and he's definitely not. <laughs> um, I think I'm Andy. But then it's all relative. Yes. <laughs> I, missed, I, I, I have to ask, when you grew up, did you have a thing for running around saying your own name and pretending it's laser guns like pew pew? Uh, I would totally do no. that. I would, I would totally do that. <laughs> see, well, see, when I was small, I can remember running around trying, pretending to be Batman, Adams West Batman, ah. with coat buttoned up around your neck, but no arms in the sleeves, so it's like cape running around. Yeah. I can't remember yeah. doing that. Welcome, Andy. No, almost the same thing. Yes, Thank welcome, you. Andy. <laughs> <laughs> welcome. Nice to have you. As... As a kind of recompense from yeah. having us on the waffle, we now subject you to our nonsense. Ah, revenge. Right, okay. Yeah. Yes. It's more revenge than a recompense, for sure. It's not a reward at that point. I wondered why I was invited on. Same difference. So, Andy, how has your week been? Uh, what, since we spoke two and a half days ago? Um, yeah. Well, nearly three days ago. It's nearly three days. But... Uh, well, let's see this week. What's been happening this week? Oh, I tried to get a haircut this afternoon, but that didn't work. But I did get my eyes tested. Got to have new specs. By on purpose? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, the specs or the haircut. <laughs> um, no, I mean, like, you accidentally forgot. No, I had, I, had booked the, I had booked the appointment. I didn't kind of just okay. randomly kind of turn up to someone and go, test my eyes. Um, <laughs> no, it's, 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 every two years you're supposed to do it unless you've got some medical condition. So yeah, two years is nearly up. And yeah, got some new glasses. Well, that's all right. These ones are getting You're a bit still, worn still out. Still getting anyway. old. Yeah, I'm trying to stop it, but I've heard that can be fatal. Yeah, this is true. Only at the end. Yeah. <laughs> it's only when you achieve it. I mean, that's. That, I mean, that's that's one of the funny things. Like, uh, you would expect old people to be better at not dying, but they are the ones who do die the most. It's it seems almost like the amount of practice they have accumulated doesn't matter. Yeah, I, th I think maybe another way of thinking about it is that you get tired of practicing. <laughs> that could be it. That could be it. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I keep I keep going for a bit longer. I think. Uh, yes, we, so. we yeah. really, really so. much appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, th I think I think another sort of you know eighty or ninety years should be fine. Yeah, that that seems like the right amount of Welsh cakes. So you're not even aiming for a hundred. Oh, at least. Okay. At least. Good. See, I see. I, I keep thinking that the older I get, hopefully the science will get better and I'll be able to live longer based on sort of, you know, what's happening with the science. That, that's the thing I'm bargaining for. Like, please make progress before I'm get, I get too old. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of holding out hope on that. Yeah. I can't, I can't hope, I'm kind of hoping I'm only halfway. If we're kind of realistic, yeah. yeah. We're not really yet there for people living to 150 but um, yeah of just over 100 yeah that's that's getting quite doable nowadays so yeah in that case i'll i'll take you down my halfway 
there, there was a TED talk it might be coming up on like 10 years ago now where they said like the first 300 year old person has already been born sort of on the very simplified aspect of the thing that oh like medicine has gotten so much better that like now you can take a pill that will boost a lot of the things that keep you alive and say that can keep you alive for another 10 years but by the time those 10 years has passed there's yeah. a new pill that makes you last 10 years longer yeah and oh yeah so I'm, on and so I'm forth. really much counting on that we are going to be here in like 150 years from now with the futurama style of just our heads and like glass <laughs> cubes yeah. doing, doing the same podcast oh you're gonna need a big glass jar for my head <laughs> we, we might but how, how's your week though that's my week. Yeah, I've done. I've done. Yeah, my my week's been all right. We all and we already established you're old. You don't need to repeat the thing. <laughs> yeah, and it's hot. It's hot here. I was I was driving into town. And I could smell the tarmac melting Ooh. today. Yeah, that's interesting. It's at what 37, 38 degrees Celsius. Car said thirty three. Oh, okay. But it, it it felt a bit more than that. I mean, I mean, anything after twenty-five, and I'm oh, dead. We had so. fourteen yesterday. It was glorious. It was thirty-eight here today, <laughs> and I spent the day working outside of the car, which was absolutely fantastic, as you can imagine. Yeah, I saw the picture. Yeah, it looks like a nice car, though. Yeah, thank you. I'm still trying to fix the AC unit of the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't want to. I don't want to say that it didn't succeed, but I made progress so now i know what's not working which is good and and next time i give it a try or one more try i would maybe succeed and have finally uh aircon in the car but but it will probably december or january when i get it done fully so so you're just gonna pull down the window and hey it's working yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> I, I, i'm no car expert but I, I i almost commented earlier on your kind of instagram and facebook posts to sort of say i'm not sure your aircon is going to be able to manage to cool the entire yeah air, yeah yeah france yeah exactly i realized that once I, I i posted the yeah. picture because yeah the roof was uh in in the trunk of the car so it's it's convertible so yeah it was uh, open but yeah it was so hot in the car in the sun that i had to open it too in order to be just able to not die working in, in it it was like probably around 50 degrees inside the car uh in the sun so i oh, opt- opened nope. the, yeah it was a big big no um the secret the, the secret though is to drink every 10 or 15 minutes uh, water and to go uh, in the shadow or in the shade or inside the house every 50, 45 minutes just to rest a little bit and, and then you can go back at it and, and don't die. But yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was a long day of progress on this damn car that I will make work one day. I mean, it's working great, but the AC is not, so it, it will work. And in three months time. Yeah, in, uh, even if it takes Sticking me three to your years, schedule? <laughs> <laughs> probably yeah, three months. But even if it takes, I've been on it for the past year and a half, I believe, uh, doing small changes and changing parts, uh, uh, depending on the money that I have uh, left to do so. 
but I will make it work. Even if it takes me another two years, I, I will definitely make that freaking car be cold. We have faith in you. I thank you. Uh, thank you. I, I, I have I had a downtime at the end of the afternoon uh, because it was still not working after this long day of work. So yeah, your trust in me is very comforting. Um, other than that, I'm also usually wrong, but we can ignore that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> how, how many times did you think about just like disconnecting the split unit at your new apartment and just throwing it to the back of the car? <laughs> oh yeah, I oh it would be so cool to be able to do that. I would I would love it would be the e easier way probably to do so. But yeah. Anyway, uh, other than that, I had. Uh, pretty quiet week till Sunday. Uh, then we had the evening uh, all together at the Waffle uh, podcast, which was very enjoyable. And then mm -hmm. I went back to work on Monday morning. So I spent the um, few first days of the week working on the shop. Uh, again, it's almost done. I have ordered all the wood that I need in order to make my tool wall and everything that I need to uh, uh, make for the shop to be 100% uh, 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 done and, and comfortable to work in. Uh, I also started working on custom projects from clients, which is also fun. Um, and uh, editing videos again. So yeah, Ooh, yeah. I, that's I, about time. Nice. Yeah, it's about time. It's it's a long time. I I took the whole July probably uh, to just rest and and do other stuff that needed to be done. But yeah, I'm 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 back to work. So feels good uh, to be back somehow. So that's my week. What about you, Jan? Um, that could probably be its own episode. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it short. Uh, it started out, I would say, um, Saturday, I went to CSD, like I mentioned the last time, at uh, the Pride Parade in Stuttgart. Oh, we heard Which stories. was um, loud. Yeah, it was loud. It was colorful. It was a blast. Um, I went out afterwards with a few of the people I met there for a drink, which lasted like into Sunday. <laughs> uh, Sunday was pretty slow. Like, I mean, it was hot. It was nice weather. Um, went out with, like met a couple of other friends because we have the, uh, they call it Estival, uh, which is like a play on words from Esslingen and Festival, uh, mm -hmm. where they're like different, like, there's live music and there's like different uh, restaurants serving food like on the marketplace which was pretty nice. Then I took a long nap and we had the waffle recording in the evening, which it turns out for me taking a nap to prepare, it's just like not working at all because I woke up and I was just <laughs> like, okay, it's like the middle of the night right now. No, it's actually like nine o'clock in the evening. Oh my God, I'm gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, um, I, I managed to cut, um, catch up on sleep. Then Monday is kind of like a regular day, um, just work being back in the office and also it rained Sunday night which was freaking fantastic but it made um, all of Monday just like a day of sauna because oh. or like a steam room because everything was evaporating over the day um, yesterday was actually really fun because I had a customer visit and um, before customer visits and going to work I usually test myself like do like a um, COVID test 
So I did that. Uh, my nose started itching and I started to sneeze and I pulled my back while doing so. <laughs> In a way that I was basically hunched over crawling through the <laughs> through the house. It just, yeah, I, I called into, but I, I did do the customer visit. So I drove there like the two and a half hours and back, which was another stupid idea of mine. Yeah, I was going to say. So, yeah. Th- so I, I, I've been hurting a little bit yesterday. Uh, it's already better today. This is why I went for a long walk earlier. And um, I got home and wanted to drink something and found different bottles in the kitchen with like water and the water cooker going. So um, apparently there's been a warning all over the radio and we have like a warning app that there is a water is polluted within the whole city uh, with with, uh, coli-virus, like bacteria or viruses that's in, in the water. So they basically driving around with the fire department over the loudspeakers to do not in any case drink the water and boil everything. So as a refreshment, I had um, water that was still about 60 degrees hot, waiting for it to cool down after like a one and a half hour walk, just dying of heat. Oh, shit. (laughs) This is why there's not really refreshment. Yeah, at least you're still allowed to take showers, just not like drink the showering water. But uh, like everything, like brush your teeth, they just basically tell you to cook everything down. So right now we have like different buckets of water. Then I thought about going out and hit the supermarket to get something to drink. Then I thought, well, there's probably like 100,000 people living in my town and they all have the same idea at the moment. So um, I just stayed at home and Yeah. yeah, got some older ice cubes out of the fridge or freezer. And threw those in, so at least now I got lukewarm water that I can drink. <laughs> Sounds lovely. Oh yeah, absolutely. So th- that's been my day today, actually. So tomorrow I should be better with my back, and I also have another customer visit, so I hope it's all going to be okay. But yeah, that that was. Just tell me, the beer is not polluted, is It's like safe. To See, that's beer. that's the issue with the whole thing. It's like I don't drink alcohol underneath the week. I okay. have the strict rule to only drink on the weekends, which is really good. It's a good Ooh, rule to have, but, but I well, think it, there's a possibility to break that while drinking water is basically shit. Me having a beer right now after a one and a half walk and still 37 degrees Celsius outside, that would make of an interesting <laughs> and really, really short recording. <laughs> yeah, that sounds okay. like a good idea to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bring it. <laughs> That's what's fun to do, though. I can remember doing that in university, kind of, yeah, spending a couple mm-hmm. of hours in the gym and climbing gym at, you know, in the summer just getting you know really just really good workout and going to the student union and going to the bar and getting a pint of beer and drinking a pint of beer quite quickly and then suddenly going yeah i'm drunk after one pint of beer just because yeah you know, it's like completely dehydrated that's how we used to recover from martial art trainings like starting at eight in the evening and and stopping around 10 at 10.30, we were at the pub and we were drinking till like midnight and it was fine. But we were also eating french fries. But that, yeah. that helps a bit, I guess. Yeah. And just a little bit, yeah. The, the salt, the minerals. I've had experience of being, uh, in, uh, being skiing all day. And you then you go to the after ski uh, club and you, like, you go straight from the, from the hill and you go straight into the bar and you just shovel on some food and you start drinking and then because you're just seated it's fine and it's great until you try to stand up and then suddenly the whole world is really unstable (laughs) interesting experience i can tell 
But Absolutely. why week did you ask? I'm glad you asked. That's really kind of you. Yeah. How was your week, Rez? Uh, well, yeah, how was your week? Uh, See, Onion so... doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> what? Fast enough. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jan, that means you're off the island. <laughs> I still have no idea what you're talking about right now. I can't follow. <laughs> what? No, no, we're making fun of you, not with you. That's fine. Oh, okay. Yeah, then yeah. in that case... <laughs> So Andy, still you were you. saying... Yeah. Uh, no, I, I have been... Go, Raz, get on with it. Yes, I'll try. Uh, <laughs> I, I have been uh, basically spending more time planning out and ordering materials, hopefully for the rest of the year. Uh, I And I have spent a lot of money, which is an interesting experience, but I talked about that last time. Uh, no, I got a lot of steel ordered and confirmed coming in. I have a big job that I'll start on next week after the steel arrived. And I got new tools coming in. That's going to be a little bit of fun. And today I'm just whittling more at my hammers and making a gift for a buddy of mine who both turned 40 just a couple of weeks back and has moved into a new house. So making something, really something. Going back to you saying that stuff got confirmed. Did they give you the month or did they give you the year? Oh, no, no. Uh next week don't worry don't be don't be silly now yeah i have a quick question Raz. you said you spent a lot of money on materials and stuff and even if you don't tell in the show how much i know because you told me before the show uh, my question is uh, how do you feel when you spend that much money on materials uh, even if it's for the year do you feel any pressure to now make money out of it do you feel comfortable because you have everything you need to make money out of it uh, what was the feeling uh, once you've hit the order button well first of all he's gonna feel like he has to make more friends because if he moves again he's gonna have too much crap for the few he has to carry around <laughs> yeah good uh, point uh i hate you for noticing that fact uh, <laughs> but yes no uh it's a little bit of both. It's a little bit stressful in the moment because like all of that economic flexibility I used to have suddenly is more or less gone. Yeah. But I also have uh, two extra markets I'm going to this year. First one being not this weekend uh, that episode comes out, but the next one. Okay. Uh, and I have, I'm going back to uh, Raksta where I used to live before I moved to Oslo. And that's texted uh, the shop owner that has some of my stuff in there. And they're really looking forward to see what new things I have, hopefully so that they can restock their shelves with things. Uh, I brought things up to uh, the local museum where my dad lives and I got stuff in their store as well. So, I mean, only with just the markets and my online sales and those two shops, I should be like scraping by. But in addition to that, I'm teaching all the classes and I am doing custom jobs in between. And then I'm doing my own silliness that I hope to sell and other crazy ideas. Like, I'm, I am already fully booked out the year, probably through February at this point, just by sort of the regular amount of random jobs that comes in and the few big ones I already know about. So no, panici no panicking spending that much money in materials because you know it will get yeah. back to you in, in, in some way. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I reached the point where maybe stupidly so, but I feel sort of, that comfortable level of panic where it's like, yeah, it's stressful right now because I don't have the flexibility if a big thing were to happen. But I also know that 
if I survive this month, then suddenly I do have all the money I need, probably, and will be comfortable for the rest of the year. Or I'll reach a comfortable level after a month or so. So, yeah. I'm, I'm curious why you bought all the materials for the year rather than maybe buying three months worth, uh, six months so worth. So, honestly, I have... For the, a lot of the normal things I make, I probably already had enough steel that would last me another two years. But because I have this one big job coming up, it's like I'm already paying a company to come with a lorry and deliver a shitload of steel. So I'll just as well order extra full of steel that I need for that job, and I'll restock what's going low on what I already have. So that mm. I ideally never actually reach a point where I'm out of any type of steel that I regularly use. Uh, and at this point, I am out of the one steel I would like to have used for the gift I'm making for the buddy of mine. So I'm just making it a little bit beefier, and he'll probably won't notice. Yeah, but also you probably follow the prices for steel for the last couple of years. So yeah. you also know that there's only one way those prices go over a longer time period. So yeah. it doesn't hurt. Like as long as you as as long as not rusting away in the yard, it's probably good to like have it. Oh yeah, I I mean I have probably sticks of steel in the interact that I have been hauling around for three years, yeah. and like I cut off maybe half a meter a year or something of it, and it just slowly dwindles away. But it's steel; it doesn't really expire unless you leave it in acid or something. Keep it outside in the yard. Uh, well, it, it is all stored outside, and I've done that for the last six years. So okay, uh, yeah, it's annoying, but it's not a problem, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I get your point though. It's I, I could have spaced things out a bit more, but uh, my general cons the steel prices compared to my hourly range is still so small that it's just a big chunk of money because it's a lot of steel. I think I'm ordered nearly a ton in total now. Yeah. And granted, at least half of that is for this one job. So it's just, it's just what it is. It makes sense, yeah. If you if you've got the delivery costs and you've got the fuss of a delivery and you've got the fuss of the order, make the best use of it. I still have it. more steel I need yeah. to use to order because so, I I need to order in, um, tool steel to make like chisels and punches, and also dies to make with the, to use with the guillotines. And that's something I haven't bothered to look properly into yet, uh, because normal steel suppliers don't have the kind of steels in the sizes I would like to have them. So it's a bit of a finagly thing maybe getting it from sweden or something i have links i got from friends that i need to look at i just haven't bothered to do it properly yet but that no i can't say segue never mind <laughs> we, 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 we wanted to have andy on uh this week uh not only to sort of give a payback uh but also because like you are like maybe the the man of science that we all know. So, hey, man of science, but you make sound like a man of steel, you're Superman. Yeah. Well, your your science <laughs> level is kind of super, isn't it? Uh, I wouldn't say super, above average. Uh, definitely above average. Uh, could could you just give the 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 five people out there so, who doesn't know so, sort of your ones who don't know me. Of science story? Yeah. Oh, right. I mean, all the way back from the very earliest, darkest days of being a child. You, you don't start, um, you don't need to start with the Big Bang. <laughs> oh, well, I miss out the first few years of my childhood then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, science, science was always a th thing in for, for me. So it's, it's always been a thing. Almost the same way making has always been a thing. 
yeah, I came from a making family, but yeah, we we made my my parents were born just before World War Two, so yeah, they grew up in kind of World War Two and the kind of the years after that with kind of rationing and make doing mend and all that. But they were also both uh, nurses. That's how they met. Oh. And so they were always, you know, they were, they were always in. We were book people as well, so there were always books around. There was always medical books around. So yeah, it was just, um, yeah, we were yeah, into sort of the outdoors and nature. My dad had been a scout leader, and the like. So there was, there was always kind of that wonder about the natural world and, and things. And I, I, yeah, I kind of, I just, I loved it. You didn't get much science in school though, uh, until until we get to sort of secondary school. And there was something like yeah. get these things called biology, chemistry, and physics, and they're in labs, and a different lab for each one. And I, I, I wrote about this a couple of days ago. How I can still remember my physics teacher in the first year of secondary school, age eleven. His his name was Mister White, Chalky White was his nickname. And I can still remember standing around his his bench. It was kind of a traditional kind of sort of school lab. We kind of rows of long rows of benches, kind of going from the front of them to the back. And at the front was a raised dais, and around on that was his his bench, which was used for demonstrations. I remember being caught. We were all called up to kind of gather round. It wasn't a big school, but there were 25, 30 of us called around, and he had this glass trough that was about thirty centimeters in diameter, about fifteen centimeters deep, and it was full of mercury. Oh, not something we would do now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mercury's. Oh, I'm actually fun. for a one-off demonstration to kids. It's it, not a problem for us. It wasn't dangerous. The fact that he was doing that year in, year out, and multiple times per year, that that becomes more of an issue. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mercury's an accumulative poison. Yeah, the, the Mad Hatter in, in yes. Lewis Carroll's Alice Wonderland. The madness, the dementia came from the long-term inhalation of mercury vapour because they used mercury to polish the black, shiny top hats in Victorian days. Mm-hmm. So that's where the mad hatter came from. Alice in Wonderland is a uh, an interesting tale, really, in many ways. It's also quite an attack on some of the working conditions uh, for people in Victorian times. Oh, I haven't yeah. thought about that way. But yeah, that makes sense. Mm. A lot of people don't. I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, Carol I heard about the Madness of Hatter very, very story. That that yeah. came, I think, I, I think it came sort of up as a fun fact because of Alice in Wonderland. But I never hmm. considered any of the other sides of. The, I can't the, remember all the other ones. Oh, there, there are many, but I can't remember them off the top of my head now. That you know, things about the the, the mouse in the teapot and yeah, the, the tea party. There's there's all kind of little snipes at society and culture at the time. But anyway, there, there's this bowl of mercury. And yeah, the teacher he takes this kind of yeah, with this bowl of mercury. It's just like it's amazing stuff. I I'd already kind of I was a bit familiar with mercury because I had a um, a puzzle. I still got it. You, you can't buy them anymore because mercury uh-huh. um, with a maze and this globule of mercury that you could move around the maze. Which oh, is amazing! Instead of a ball bearing, it re- it's really quite quite cool. Um, and so I was kind of familiar with mercury, and it was this liquid metal. What I didn't realize was that if you take a, a, a kilogram mass, so you have this kind of hexagonal cast iron mass with a ring on top and he lowered it into the mercury and it floated yeah yeah it's like oh i've never seen that oh. i've only seen the, the small amounts that like pearl and 
Uh, it's, I mean, it's just amazing. that There is a YouTube channel, I forget the name of it, where he filled a toilet with mercury. And then he, was, he did other things, to sort of see what would float and whatever. So this iron floating in, in mercury, because it's 13 times denser. Yeah, it's yeah. just like, from that point on, I was captured into the world of physics. I was really kind of interested in space. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I did a space project when I was about 10, and I wrote to NASA um, just kind of randomly. Yeah, it's all pre-internet. Yeah. It's like, dear NASA, I'm doing a project on space. Please, can you tell me something about it? Or something like that. <laughs> and yeah, three months later, I got this kind of package that was about oh, two centimeters thick, kind of letter-sized, American letter-sized, full of photographs and leaflets and all sorts wow. of stuff. And it's just like, nice. oh. Awesome. So I mean, that was probably a good starting point. Yeah, I'd say. So yeah, I, I was captured by yeah that demonstration and others. Yeah, he made a motor as well. He put it, he took a, a cork, put a magnet on it, and then had a wire dangling down into the mercury and he attached it to the bench power supply these are the days when benches had power supplies built in and there was a big control on the a wall so they could turn it off and turn it on for students or whatever and there's this wire going around the magnet in the mercury that's like i mean he didn't explain how that worked you know just say, oh, this is a motor and just like it just captured ever since yeah, yeah. from that point on it's just like yeah, chemistry is all right. Very interesting. Mixing smells, but yeah, there's some long, complicated words. And biology, well, actually, there's, there's even longer, more complicated mm. words. And physics, generally, the words are quite short. And <laughs> it's 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 also it's it's the science of everything. Yeah, everything that happens in the universe can be explained to a certain extent by physics or with physics. And that kind of just that idea, uh, just kind of. It was like, well, yeah, physics. And so, yeah, I, I, I just, from that point on, I was, I was reading more and more physics. I, just any, I mean, we had encyclopedias at home. And I, I was just bookworm as well. I mean, I just, by the time I was 10 or 11, I'd read all the children's book in the little library in our village. And I was allowed to go and get books from the adult side of the library, <laughs> um, which probably wasn't a good the idea. adult side. Yeah, reading, reading James Bond, reading the Fleming's James Bond when you're 12, it's probably not really a great thing for a 12-year-old to do. Especially um, not the books. Yeah. They are pretty graphical. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, Purity um, and Iron Fleming might not be a good combination. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, Casino Royale, that's... Uh, yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I, and that's I my love affair with James Bond as well. So, I, yeah, I... I was just grabbed by physics. Now, I did do things like what people would call shop class. We had, in that kind of same year, we had we had to do everything. We had to do some sewing. We had a term of sewing, term of cooking, uh, woodwork, metalwork, and we rotated around. And, yeah, later on we could choose as well. But I, I kind of didn't really get a chance to choose choose the ones I really wanted because I wanted, I had I was seen as academic so really yeah, you kept pushed towards the academic stuff the days when yeah shop class was for those who weren't academic which is a nonsense really um yeah. but I, I don't want to get into an education rant let's keep that for the waffle <laughs> um so yeah so I and I didn't get exposed to uh engineering type things or technology as we called it now kind of craft design technology where you kind of design stuff and then make it and see the work and I, I, I kind of wish I had, because I might have gone down engineering route rather than pure physics. Because 
I like the making. But I didn't really think of making as something that you could do job-wise. Um, I had some pretty rubbish careers advice as well. Yeah, various teachers just... Uh, careers advice in the 1980s was appalling. Uh, basically, if you were a girl and you were bright, you could be a nurse. If you were a boy and you were bright, you could go to university. If you were a girl and not bright, well, maybe hairdressing. If you were a boy and not bright, well, maybe go and work in this local steelworks. That was almost the extent of it. So I kind of... May, may yeah, just, physics was... Where, where in the UK did you grow up? I grew up in South Wales. Yeah, so all of this was was in that area. 90, 1970s, 1980s, South yeah. Wales. Yeah. yeah. So I grew up next to what at one point was the largest steelworks in the world, um, but sadly now has completely and utterly disappeared, apart from a few buildings which have been kept in memoriam, ah. which in some ways is really bad, sad. The huge number of jobs used to employ 10,000 people. Oh. Shit. Um, yeah, that that's a bit. Yeah, it was it was it was a mile wide and three miles long. The works. Wow, it was huge. Um, but yeah, everything is a lot greener and and healthier now. You, you didn't put washing out on a Monday when they pulled the smelter. Yeah, ah. <clears throat> and stuff like that. Yeah, it was a. Mi- I lived, grew up in a mining village, uh, so yeah, not cheap coal, but the coal was not really proper house coal. So you get sulphur coming out of it. it yeah, not really very of, healthy. Yeah, a bit, bit of extra interesting yeah, so stuff in the air. Things, things are healthier there now, mm. um, apart from job, job-wise. Um, yeah, so I I then kind of thought, well, yeah, university was, I was the first, my family, kind of my, I had an uncle that had gone to university, but apart from that, I was kind of the first to go to university. And didn't really kind of, again, guidance was pretty poor. I was like, oh, I like physics, I'm going to do physics. And I went and did physics. And yeah, generally had a good time, but also discovered that actually things like climbing and caving are pretty good and uh, mountain biking and hiking and lots of outdoor stuff and beer. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like discovering pubs and beer has ruined many academic careers. Uh, particularly, uh, yeah, caving is often... Um, we navigated basically by pubs. Uh, I've got some <laughs> stories, but we need sort of maybe longer. Yeah, longer to some of the stories I've got about. Sort of we can save that for next time. That, that near, sounds like near death stories. experiences. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I did I did my um, degree in physics, and yeah, I, I pretty much enjoyed it. I enjoyed my time at university. Uh, took a bit of a gap year after because I wanted to do more climbing, caving, and mountain biking, and then. It basically got told where well, you really should be getting a job. So I got a job working in industry, uh, quality assurance, uh, and a bit of research. Well, there was research when I started, but the company wasn't very good. The research died. Um, the company only lasted a couple of years after I left as well. Ah. It, uh, but it was it was hard work. It was a fully automated factory. It was this fantastic fully automated factory. Part quality control. Um <laughs> And we, so we, there were four of us in the quality control team, ignoring the managers because they were a waste of time anyway. Mm. Uh, and basically, we had to take product off the manufacturing line, cut it up, and test it. Now, the product was something called cement bonded particle board. So imagine basically something like MDF, slightly coarser fibers, and throw cement in there as well, and a bit of aluminum sulfate to kind of fireproof the thing. Oh, so okay. yeah. eight by four sheet, so twelve twenty by twenty four forty, 
by 18 millimeters was 100 kilos yeah that's gonna say that sounds heavy yeah we made from six six twelve and eighteen were our most common builds uh we did occasionally do nine we also did uh twenty something twenty four i think and occasionally forty millimeters the forty millimeters were only six by four sheets though they weighed four hundred kilos oh fuck yeah yeah now, the, the, the problem with this is that this, this fully automated factory that didn't have anything to take the things off for the, the control guys. Um, we, <laughs> so um, it was a lot of lifting? A lot of lifting. Mm. And we were always behind. There was never enough money to kind of get enough people, et cetera, et cetera. So pretty much uh, to and including the 18 millimeter boards, we handled on our own. Oh, oh that wow. sounds like a killer. Yeah. Um, so kind of, yeah, it's... It, and to be honest, I mean, I was I was in my early twenties. I was very fit. I was very strong. Um, I've never been big, but I have been you know, pretty strong, particularly for my size. So the mass wasn't really that much of a problem. But it's an eight by four sheet. Yeah. There's no easy way to carry something that is eight foot by four foot. Yeah. And and it, it, we didn't have like gorilla grippers like you get nowadays. That would have been, oh. I wish we'd, I also wish we'd had one of those. Yeah. Um, so we would take these boards off the line. We'd rip them down on uh, Watkin table saws. We had a couple of table saws. One was an 18-inch blade. One was a 12-inch blade. Uh, and it was all inches because it was they were old machines, old Watkin machines. Um, scary as anything. Not enough sound protection, which continued to wreck my ears. Mm. Not that they were, weren't already a bit of a mess anyway from 1980s discos and the like. Fair enough. Um, and playing with things go bang occasionally. Strange how that happens. So, yeah. You said you were into scouts. So I'm assuming you also had that one experience where like, how do we actually make gunpowder? You think I waited to scouts to do something like that? Exactly. <laughs> no, I, but the, the, the scouts <laughs> is like find more creative ways what you can do with gunpowder. Yeah. Well, the scouts just tend to gather that or uh, that kind of people tend to accumulate into scouts, I guess you can say. Um, we didn't actually do too much of that. Although we, did, we but when I first joined, the very first day I joined the scout group, um, we were clearing up in the basement. It, it was this old f- three or four story building that was condemned not long after kind of I finished with them, and uh, we found this bottle of concentrated hydrochloric acid, and you know it's concentrated when you take the top off, and smoke comes out. Oh yeah, that sort of stuff. Yeah, just like what's this? Oh, oh, there's hardly any label left on it. Yeah, it's like yeah, no. I mean, again, early nineteen eighties. Yeah, safety. Who cares about safety? Doesn't matter if a few people died, does it? Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I, I, so early nineties, working in this place, shifting these things around. Yeah, my back went pop. Um, in fact, it went pop, pop. Um. So it was like, hmm, I need to sort this out. And yeah, because I, I kept on work. I was stupid, basically. And there wasn't anyone kind of really going, you're being stupid. Stop this. So I just kept going to work. Um, but I was keeping myself fit. I was, I was cycling 15 miles each way every oh, day, wow. as well as doing this helped. stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, get me fit. And yeah, it was like one day getting in the shower, sneezed. Just before getting in the shower and fell on the floor. It's like, yeah, not going to work today. 
uh, that I did basically 18 months off then because um, I yeah. wrecked my back, um, which is now come back to haunt me a few years ago. And it, so, uh, so get, cut the story short because which I struggle with, of course, as anyone who listens to Maker's Waffle knows. <laughs> I, I was like, right, I can't carry on with this job. Um, so what shall I do? And then I went into teaching. Uh, I had considered teaching straight from university. In fact, I considered two careers. I, first, I considered joining the RAF, and I did attempt to join the RAF, uh, but it was at a time when there were some kind of options to change. And so I got through a, a, a bunch of stages, and then they said, what would you like to do? I said, well, a couple of things kind of grabbed my attention. Uh, intelligence, because I think I'm intelligent, and I don't really want to run around with guns and things, and I'm not going to be a pilot with glasses. Yeah, no. And... And or, or maybe like some education. Said, oh, okay, right. Uh, well, sorry to have wasted your time for the last six weeks in filling out all these forms, but we've only got two places for that for this entire year because we're kicking people out of the RAF this year and they've already been filled. Uh, Come back next year. Uh, okay. Uh, I did consider teaching at the time as well, but because uh, uh, a girl I fancied in university went into sort of teaching um, with her physics degree and was like, mm, could be interesting, could be there. But I always figured that it wouldn't be a good idea. You need a bit more life experience. And having now having been a teacher, I think that's actually and seeing people come straight from university, I think that's a, a good bit of advice that I gave myself. Because yeah. yeah, I worked out for myself to told me. So I did my uh, teacher training and uh, then started teaching. Uh, just after the middle of the nineteen nineties. Uh, started in ninety six my training. Do year training and then uh, spent the next 20 years teaching physics and science and a bunch of other things i was very lucky and uh, not always lucky my first school asked me to teach ict there were no computers but i had to teach ict what what um, is ict ict information communication technology ah. how to use a computer how to use a <laughs> word processor which is basically um, how to teach someone to do type yeah. like they used to typewriter lessons. Oh, basically no, on no, a computer. no, 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 no. We were, it, this was um, this was a bit beyond that. They didn't they, they didn't do typing because we didn't have computers anyway. Oh, okay, it, was, because... it was the very early days of things like this is a CD-ROM. You can get <laughs> an encyclopedia on this. Oh wow! And get yeah. information. And yeah, it was yeah, even yeah. very early days of there is this thing called the internet. You can connect to the internet and find information and talk to people anywhere in the world. And porn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah not, not for 13 year olds I mean they probably did but uh, yeah, not in the lesson I think, I think they were crafty enough to find that on their own yeah. um, oh, I, did get, I did get a job because of somebody doing something similar to that though. Um, so yeah I, I taught electronics at one point I taught maths a few times uh, obviously do, with science you end up teaching a bit of biology a bit of chemistry and physics and science to the younger students um, I, I taught one school that I taught everything apart from science because it was, it was a supply contract, uh, which was like very odd not to teach in any science. Uh, that was my fourth year of teaching. Uh, I, I taught, yeah, I taught, I taught in a variety of schools across the country. Uh, one, two, three, four different counties, about eight or nine schools just because of moving around for various reasons. And, um, got to... My highest rank was head of faculty, so in charge of an entire science department. Um, that sounds more time as head. 
yeah, it was you, you kind of get in charge of money, but also in charge of kind of going, your teaching's not good enough. We need to deal with that. Mm. And stuff what, like that, which what, wasn't did, very pleasant. Did that get, yeah, did that get uncomfortable? Yeah. For you personally, yeah. or the situations could turn uh, uncomfortable? If, oh, yeah, yeah. If, when you have to tell somebody that you're the teaching assistants who work with the special needs children are refusing to go into their lesson because their behavior management is not good enough. That was a very difficult conversation. Oh, yeah. I might not handle it the best either because it's not a conversation I've ever had before or training in how to handle. Um, I mean, obviously, I've had a bit of experience with it now, so if I had to do it again, it would be easier. But it, it's never an easy conversation. So um, I heard your uh, teaching sucks. <laughs> yeah. I didn't quite use that phrase. Um, but it did. I mean, yeah, that person should not have been teaching, basically. Um, and that's an unfortunate situation that's not that uncommon. So, yeah, so I spent basically just shy over 20 years, um, 21 if you include my training, teaching mostly physics uh, to mostly 11 to 18 year olds in the UK. Um, I... I'm told, and I like to think that I was pretty damn good at it. Um, yeah, I just get fantastic results sometimes. I can believe that. I've I've got I can I won't bore you with the stories, but I've got various sort of stories about kind of your classes getting exceptional results that they shouldn't have. Mm. Um, it means you hacked the system. Uh, just being a good <laughs> teacher and caring about the kids—that's half the battle. Yeah, um, I, I know. If that's, that's the hack, yeah. If that's the hack, then that's the hack. But I mean, sometimes I've 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 been I've been floated in a few times to kind of difficult situations. Uh, the school where I was head of faculty, yeah, I, I joined at Easter, which is not normal. Normally, you change schools in September. Yeah, by the beginning schools. of the but year, you can change at Christmas. You can change at Easter. There's not normally yeah. other times. Yeah, because that's when you have three semesters in the UK. Yes. Yeah. So that's when you change over semesters. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I basically walked into this class at Easter and they'd had a supply teacher for 18 months. Uh, it was their final year. They had exams, in f public exams, uh, which would determine whether they would stay on to do further study in school or whether they'd have to leave and get jobs or something else. And kind of did an assessment of where they were at. And it was not a good situation. And again, a difficult conversation. You, you basically stand in front of a class. They all, they knew they were clever enough. It was they were they were set they were set to. They weren't the top set, but they were set to. Um, they were clever enough. They they knew the difficulties that had been happening in the school. Um, basically, a teacher had been kicked out. The person I replaced had been kicked out, but it took them eighteen months to replace because of let's just say police matters. Ooh. Um, okay. So I I basically walked in and went, oh. You're you you lot are in trouble. I, I again phrased it slightly more pleasantly than that. Um, you haven't covered more than a quarter of the course, and your exams are in four and a half weeks' time, five weeks' time. Wow. Okay, we can do this, but it's going to be hard. And we did it, and they got. They didn't get brilliant results. Um, but they passed. <laughs> but they they got the results that they should have got, rather than. Maybe exceeding. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, by th by that standard, you did save them. Yeah. Um. I, yeah. At the same school, I had a class that was bottom set, set eight, 
And yeah, I got some of those grades that they never even dreamed of that they were told they would never get. Wow. Be uh, beca yeah. Because the, the UK has this system of sorting students by ability in classes? Yes. Yeah, well, it, it varies around the country. So, oh, yeah, okay. we've, we've got an interesting education system in the UK. Um, uh, is the word messed up? Yeah, that, that would work pretty much. Um, <laughs> I, it, I mean, it's, 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 it's all right in most of the places. Um, but, yeah, in some, in some parts of the country, it's a bit messed up. So the majority of the country has what we call comprehensive schools. So this, I'm, I'm talking kind of age 11 to 18. So age 11, everyone in a town will go to that school. Uh, or there may be multiple schools in that town. And you know, some on the one side will go to that school and some on the other side will go to that school, whichever one's nearest generally. And they're, full, they're called fully comprehensive schools and they have all abilities. So from the weakest students to the strongest students, some who will go on to apprenticeships because that's all that they really maybe are... Um, I, I don't really like saying able to do, but it, it's, it's where they're going to end up. Or they could do better be they based on the system. Most likely to succeed. Yes. And apprenticeships can be at all levels as well. But yeah, yeah, yeah they're often, it often tends to be weaker students whose school just doesn't suit. This school doesn't suit everyone. Through to those who are going to go off to university and go off and get PhDs and, and, the, and the like. Now, in some parts of the country, uh, they have. So as well as those, you also have uh, a, a spotted around the country, you have faith schools. So literally run by the church. So they have you know, a, a, an ethos based on Christianity or Islam or whatever. Um, the, the Catholic church particularly likes to do that. But the Church of England does it as well. So sometimes people will kind of go, I want my child to be you know, following a, a, a school that follows kind of a faith-based um, culture. And so they'll they'll do that. Behaviors sometimes is better in those schools. Sometimes it's worse. It's the same as anything. It all depends on the actual school and the teachers and the students that are there and the parents of the, the children. Yeah, but there I, are. I'm sorry, not, not to hijack you completely, but uh, I think that's a very important point. Like, it's never actually the students' fault. No matter how like bad grades they have, it is. Or... It is. No, that's <laughs> shit. No. Uh, yeah. I was waiting for that. Your French. <laughs> I I could see red getting. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like no, wait, sorry, wait, wait, but what? <laughs> you can't just say that someone behaving badly. Oh, that's not his fault. It's the fault of the teacher, the parents. No. Oh, yeah, by all means, whatever the age kids. is. Yeah. So it it's it's a shared responsibility between. Yeah. The kid and the parents first, then the teachers. The teachers are not here to educate your kids. They are there to teach them shit, which is not the same thing. Yeah. If your kid is a fucking asshole, it's on you. It's on the parents, <laughs> not on the teachers. I would argue that it's not necessarily always on the parents. No, not I have, always. I, I have had some dealings with kind of parents and you think why is you are delightful you are lovely parents you are telling me that you are doing the right things yet you have the spawn of evil yeah. <laughs> but it, they have they probably have because they are too nice to deal uh, properly with that I've, evil. I've had that situation as well where it's like oh we don't like to tell him to go to bed at 10 o'clock yeah so it's on you yeah mm -hmm. yeah we've had, had conversations with parents along the lines of you know this is a bad thing, don't you? You really should. 
try turning the wireless router off in the house. Mm. You might go to sleep before three o'clock. I mean, yeah. my, my point is sort of, uh, I, I guess, a bit from the army where it's all about setting boundaries and the right kind of boundaries and communicating yeah. the reason why those boundaries exist. Exactly. Uh, I, I, but also I, hoping I, the parents will support in those boundaries. Of course. And not go, well, I used to bully in school, so I don't see why I should let tell my son not to bully. Have you heard that? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Yep. That's 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 a new level. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but going back, we do in the, in the UK, we still have what are called grammar schools. So in some parts oh, yeah. of the country, there's 168 of them, if I remember rightly. Um, dotted around, there's a bunch, there's quite a bunch in Kent where I am. There's some down in the southeast, uh, southwest rather. There's some in sort of just right on the south coast in the, in the middle in kind of places like Poole and Bournemouth. Few up in Essex, just beyond London. There's a few, couple in London. There's some up in the kind of Midlands, Birmingham, Manchester, uh, Lincolnshire, a few other sort of places. But they're only spatterings, really. There's there's four thousand two hundred secondary schools in the UK, uh, oh. state ones. Uh, so there's 168, which are um, yeah, that's a what we call grammar schools. So in those areas, at the age of 10, students sit a test called the 11 plus. Children sit a test called the 11 plus. And if they pass that test, they can go to the grammar school if there's enough places. If they fail that test, or they may even be told, don't bother sitting the test, you're not going to pass. They basically then go to what used to be called secondary moderns. They're generally called high schools nowadays. There used to be a lot more grammar schools, but stacks of them got closed down, like hundreds and hundreds. And they get, yeah, so basically we've got these areas where a huge percentage of the kids, 75% of the kids, 80% are told, yeah, you're not really good enough. You're age 10, you're a failure already. Um, oh. And then there's 20%, there's 20% who go off to the grammar schools. Grammar schools are great. Um, I mean, morally, it's horrible, absolutely yeah, I, horrible. I mean, it's it sounds like a system designed to destroy kids. It does, and well, it does. We have, we it have does. the same in Germany, though. Yeah, where we after the first five years of basic school, or the four years of no, the first four years of basic school, you basically go into a test, or not. It wasn't even a test. Like the teacher told the parents, like, "Oh, your child can go to like the ones that, with the higher education. The one goes with that, with like the normal one where you do an apprenticeship, or the one for like not really learning impaired, but it used to be like a really basic one where you only also with different um, levels or um, time periods where you go to school." Like the one is gymnasium where you have like the it used to be 13 years i think they cut it down to 12 or 11 years now then the second one was uh Realschule, which was the one that i went to which is like the basic high school where you usually do an apprenticeship or you can do further education afterwards which goes for 10 years and then they had another one which i think was only eight or nine years where you basically learn the basics and then you go to have an like apprenticeship which was you like to say uh working in the steel mine working in as a hairdresser like basically that's how it used to be at least when i went to school and that basically got decided for you and i know so many people that were highly intelligent later on the apprenticeship that had to go through heaps and bounds because they were like set so poorly for like the nine basic years yep. where basically 90 percent of all jobs or schools are locked for you that had to go like circles around to get their higher wow. education afterwards that's fucked up. Yeah. 
I, but it's I, the German school system. I just feel like the UK was like has been like that as well. Some would argue that it's getting better. I mean, the fact there's not that many grammar schools, which are great to teach at. They're great to teach at. Don't get me yeah, wrong. I've taught, I've taught. I've taught. I've taught in some not very nice schools. Really, not very nice schools. Yeah, stuff thrown around. Kids bringing in knives. Yeah, I've I've seen some pretty horrible things as a teacher. Um, grammar schools. Yeah, the the first one I joined, it took me six weeks to get used to the class actually finishing all the work that I planned. In fact, they they would finish it, and I'd be like, "Oh, I've got fifteen minutes left of the lesson. What are we going to do now?" Uh, but you you get used to that you think, because they can do amazing things, and there's some of the things that grammar school children do, it's amazing, really is amazing. I mean, isn't that almost a self fulfilling prophecy though? I mean, one thing is like hmm. you are selecting to get like quote unquote the best kids, and then you're yeah, see, telling those it, kids you are the best kids. So you make them behave like they are the best kids, even if they might have been like. Yes, the lower if end of the, the culture in the school is following that kind of yeah. principle, not all grammar schools does that culture exist though. Ah, okay. Yeah. So some kind of go there. There is there, there can be a culture in schools of kind of going. Ah, oh, well, the bright kids, the good kids. We'll just we'll just kind of everything will be fine. We'll do, just they'll they'll do well. Whatever we do, and they do okay, but they don't necessarily excel. Um. But that you are right. If you if you're in a school where you've got predominantly a a, a a selected group of very intelligent young people, and you give them the opportunities to excel, they will excel. Uh, example of that: the, the first grammar school I taught at, uh, they were what's called an engineering college. Twenty years ago, there was this scheme to kind of get specialist schools, so schools would specialise in a particular subject. And you could do that in two ways. Either you were rubbish at that subject, and so you need an injection of money and an injection of expertise to get better at that subject. Um, or more usually, you were already really good at something, and so you would get more money, whether it's sport or music or science or languages or whatever. Uh, and they did also get a few newish kind of ideas. So uh, this particular school was the fourth school to become an engineering specialist college in the country. So they, they, they had a big injection of money. They could build sort of workshops, uh, some amazing things. We had some good opportunities. I had a kind of promoted post where I was kind of working with the technology department, the math department. We were putting on activities. Uh, we had kids building bridges out of spaghetti. Um, oh. Seeing how, you know, sort of, and they had span kind of, you know, 30 centimeter gaps or even longer, uh, 50 centimeter gaps and just using standard length spaghetti. Um, and we've kind of had a whole kind of thing about engineering and all the science behind that and the other stuff, the economics, the politics, the public relations, they were doing everything. But we had a, a there's a there's a program, it's a worldwide program actually now called uh, Formula One in Schools. The idea is to make a, a, a Formula One style car. Uh, but there are exactly, so I can't remember what they are now, but it, it, they're about... 25, 30 centimeters long. So an RC uh, car? No. They're drag oh. racers. And they, they're powered by the little CO2 sparklets that you're using. Oh, nice. Like, like miniature wow. soda streams that you're using sorts of like a bike pump. You know, the yeah, kind emergency of racers use from a bike pump. Yeah. yeah. So you have one of those. And it's on a track. It's two side by side. And there's a kind of a, a launching system. And a couple of firing pins go out. And these things just. And they cover, I think it's 20 meters in typically about somewhere just between a second and a half and two seconds. <laughs> um, oh, that's good. 
And this, I mean, this is something now, it happens worldwide. There's world championships. We had a team of kids. They actually did it for an entire year group would do this. And the best ones would kind of go, look, we're going to go to the local regional competitions and you're going to race against other schools. And so they'd work on it and they'd paint it and they'd get a nice scheme and they used to have to do posters about kind of how they designed it. And so they went off and this one particular nice. team, it's not long after it started, they won. The, wow. the regional ones. So it was like, okay, right, okay. So we do a bit more work because you've got to up your game over time. And then they went off to the the UK championships and they won there. Oh, wow. I was like, unfortunately at that point, I left school and went somewhere else. Uh, ah, um, but mistake. they then kind of like, okay, yeah, you go to the world championships in Malaysia. And uh, while you're there, you're going to be competing against other schools from all around the world. And also, I think it was Mercedes or McLaren, a team of their engineers had built one as well. Oh, and so they competed against those, and they competed against the other schools, and they broke the world record. Uh, it was just over a second, uh, and they won the world championships. And wow. They won themselves a full sponsorship to go to university to study automotive engineering. Cool. Uh, that is fantastic. And, and that's Age 15. Yeah, I mean, it's just... And that's the sort of thing that mm. grammar schools particularly... It's not, it's not just grammar schools, but grammar schools particularly are great at doing. Um, um, I just have to shortly jump in and um, basically correct what I've said earlier um, because I took another look I, I had to google it to look at the um, German school system it's a recommendations the teacher give okay, so it's, which it is probably even worse because when the parents said I went to gymnasium so my child has to go to gymnasium yeah. that guy can basically have an IQ of 30 and still end up there and completely fail school I think it's getting messed up I, when I started my degree most of us, there were, th I think, just about 30 of us doing physics in my year. And most of us were 18. Uh, but mm -hmm. there were two people that stood out. There's a guy that was in his 60s. He'd retired. He was a telecoms engineer. He'd retired. He lived locally. He just wanted to do a degree. <laughs> so he did it. Of course. Yeah. Why not? He, he only came to a nice. few of the He did it. He, he wasn't partying or anything like that. He had a family. He had grandchildren, I think. And yeah, he just turned up and disappeared. And we only saw him for the odd occasion, the odd function. And there's another guy in his 30s, he's 33, and he'd be he'd left school. This this is when you could. He'd left school at age 14. Uh, by the time I was in school, it was 16. You couldn't leave school before 16. So mm -hmm. he's obviously yeah, a few years older, yeah, 15 years older. He he'd left school age 14 because he was thick. <laughs> he was that's what he was told. Yeah, oh. he was thick. He couldn't do anything. Uh, he couldn't learn, had no qualifications, and he became a bricklayer. And then in his very early 20s, he'd had to do a day release course uh, through work to kind of gain some qualifications, and he'd gone to a local college. And somebody there said, you're dyslexic. He was like, what does that mean? Oh. And mm. these days, people didn't know about dyslexia back then, really. And... So they said, well, you're dyslexic. That, that means that you will struggle with things like reading and writing. Have a look at this thing called a computer. See if this helps you. Oh, it does. Brilliant. So then over the course of the next sort of 10 years or so, he studied, he gained some qualifications through an organization called the Open University, um, which is, it's a proper university, but you basically you can do it by, you used to do it literally by post. Yeah, you kind of sign up for a course and they'd send you a pile of books and videos and you'd watch they also they used to be on tv as well now it's all done through the obviously the internet yeah yeah so you could yeah. learn you, you taught yourself and you'd occasionally go off to like uh 
tutorials or if you're doing sciences they'd have a week where you'd be kind of right go to a, a real university and go into the labs and do the practical work that you wow. couldn't do at home i mean ma- school by mail order basically yeah I, that sounds cool yeah you can you can study like that yeah you I, still I, do I, it yeah in the US, oh yeah i know you example. can and yeah. even easy with the internet i'm just yeah uh, i mean it's just you just can do courses now without cool. paying as well oh. mit started it uh basically they put okay. hundreds of their lectures available free uh on their website and you could study just watch these lectures and study and they, you'd get the worksheets as well and obviously you wouldn't get it marked unless you paid uh there's this thing called edux edux mm-hmm. uh that you also get things called uh moocs massive online courses mm-hmm. um cool various universities do it all around the world you can study anything screenwriting business psychology science maths um, and the like hey he he, he did the study he kind of he, he started studying because he, he kind of really liked this thing uh, then eventually got enough qualifications. He started university, age 33. Wow. And by the time he was 40, he had a PhD in nuclear physics and had worked at CERN. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Wow. But I love yeah, that. He, was, he was thick. He had to become a bricklayer. Um, I was going to not do an education rant. That's almost an education rant. I, th- I, th- I think your life is an education rant. So yeah, I spent I spent twenty I spent twenty odd years teaching physics, and I mostly loved it. It was very hard work. Off, yes, averaged fifty to seventy hours a week during term time, and, and some and into holidays as well. Um, sometimes as much as hundred hours a week. That that was a stupid year. That was a really stupid year. Uh, I've, I've taught thousands of kids. I enjoyed doing it, uh, but then I, I changed school. 2016, I got headhunted to a job where not only was I teaching kids, but I was also teaching other teachers how to teach physics. Oh. Um, as well as being in charge of the physics department, as well as teaching as well. And it was it was really interesting. Uh, but it was extra journey, extra traveling. And that kind of brought to a head the fact that I hadn't realized that basically all the discs in my lumbar spine were disappearing or had disappeared. Oh, that, that's a problem. Yeah, so yep. four months after I started there, it was like, I need to take three months off. Went back after three months. That was the start of some holidays. I went to the, through the summer holidays. Then I did another two months and basically got sent home because apparently they don't like you hardly able to walk and crying over the photocopier because you're in so much pain. Um, and then I kind of basically had to give up teaching. Um, well, I, I had to give up paid teaching because basically they earn some money because obviously we need money for our family and things uh my wife went back to teaching uh and i took over homeschooling our children not that they had to do much they were already very good at learning and they only had a few years left i mean you're um, coming with a whip and sandwiches i'm imagining pretty much yeah actually that, that that's not far <laughs> off it um although yeah kind of being the uh right i understand this bit of physics um but also teaching maths and teaching a few things and organizing for things like I don't know the ins and outs of the English language GCSE exam, so we'll have to get somebody and organising things like that. Um, that's now finished. Exam results come out in three weeks' time for my eldest. Uh, she's finished school, and my youngest, it's four weeks' time, and she's off to school to do what we call sixth form. Um, in September, she already has a place, but obviously results will determine whether she can do the courses she wants to do. Uh, so 
I've started my own tutoring business. So I'm going to be physics. If anyone wants to get taught physics, GCSE and A-level physics, UK syllabus, uh, or international baccalaureate, actually, um, go to physicsmad.com. <laughs> Very shameless plug. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I haven't got enough yet. I need to, I'm going to be plugging it big time. But I, I'm, <laughs> I'm curious, though, how... I mean, uh, we know you well enough to know that you have struggled with your back for a while yeah. and that you have been in massive pain about your back, yep. but also that you have loved teaching. Yeah. I mean, I, what, I, was, I, was I, this I, whole I, transition period really difficult for you? Because it seems like yeah. it has been, but you also you haven't talked that much about it. When you, you, you get to what, I mean, was that the peak of my career? Possibly, I don't know. I, I never really wanted, I could have moved into what's called senior management. You know, becoming an assistant head teacher and head teacher, assistant principals, things like that. And I don't know if I really wanted to go that way. Being a head teacher is a very difficult job. I mean, uh, and it's more so things. HR and management. You're dealing with a lot of, you're dealing with a lot of crap. Um, and I don't really fancy that. I love science. I, I, I love teaching science. I love physics particularly um so would i wanted to do anything higher the, the one thing i did fancy doing was maybe going into teacher training just pure teacher training um but the pay isn't very good for that to be honest uh so i love teaching i uh, yeah yes it sometimes it's a really rubbish job yeah you're doing 70 hours you may have classes with kids that are really ungrateful because some of them are Someone don't appreciate actually what they could, they are getting or should be getting, um, because yeah, it's, it's sometimes it's about the kids and their families and what they respond to. It's like when you when you see a kid kind of going, ah, I got it, yeah. or when you see yeah. a kid kind of going, you see a kid come back and go, yeah, I'm doing a physics degree now. Or, I, I had a message on LinkedIn a while ago from uh, one of my ex students, who I taught for quite a few years. Um, they, yeah, I just started my PhD uh, in physics thing working at uh one of the quite big labs uh well-known labs in the uk um she's like fantastic yeah utterly fantastic that's got so to be you get st- yeah and, th- and this is it when you when you get those moments you know teaching teaching what i used to say to people looking to go into teaching is that teaching can be the best of jobs and it can be the worst of jobs yeah you, you can have real highs you've got kids winning the world championships um I had a team, the school I moved to when I moved down into the southeast, um, bit my line, kind of into Lego a bit. I had a colleague who went to a, a, off to a day course and came back and said, there's this competition called First Lego League. Big thing, American thing, and it's worldwide. And the university I went to said, they've got the kit, they'll lend us. So I'll do all the work, but um, might just need you to sort of step in at lunchtime every now and again to kind of think, yeah, yeah, fine, that's all right. No problem at all. If you're going to do all the work, that's fine. I don't mind the occasional lunchtime. I like Lego. And then that teacher went off and it was like, okay, took that over. Um, so I had this group of kids who were doing this, building this robot uh, to tackle this field and they were doing a project. And it was like, we went to the local university regional competition. And it's like, we they had, to, they had to do a presentation. They had to do the, there was the robot field competitions. There were a couple of other bits and bobs they had to do. At the end of the day, the prizes are being given out and we're sort of sat at the back. It's our first time doing it. There's some really experienced teams there, amazing robots, amazing projects. And one of the lads said to me, they haven't called our name out yet, sir. Yeah, I know. I'll make sure, don't worry. They've probably just forgotten. I'll make sure you get, they're like medals for everyone taking part. You just got attendance, like medals and certificates, just to say you've been in the regional, yeah, you've got into the regional finals. 
um, which basically meant you were just in the regional competition. It was the regional finals, the same thing. But yeah, bit of a participation trophy, but it's a nice little thing. Something yeah, the kids appreciate these things. And we kind of so I'm kind of consoling these kids about the fact that I said, look, I'll make sure you get yeah, because obviously everyone's getting one of these medals with you know Lego League on it and things. I'll make sure that we get some. I'll go, I'll speak to the organisers at the end. Um, after yeah, before we have to sort of zip off back to school with the minibus and things. And as I'm sort of doing that, the person kind of leading the thing says, and the grand winners are, and they named us. I was just like, <laughs> what? That's a surprise. Oh, well, we, cool. I was literally, I, if, if somebody had bumped into me, I would, I would have fallen over because it was just like, <laughs> absolutely joking. Because our robot was rubbish. Our robot was it didn't, it failed more often than it, it But worked. it was... Less it was the other stuff than everything else. Well, the other stuff was what got them through. They did an amazing project. They were talking about it was a year talking about um, kind of medical sort of things, and they they basically designed an exoskeleton. Oh, and one of the lads had cerebral palsy, so they did this presentation, and although he had cerebral palsy, he could stand and, and move a little bit. So they basically then at the end, he'd been in this wheelchair all day, and at the end. Of the, of the end of the presentation, he stood up and sort of showed underneath his trousers that he was wearing this kind of exoskeleton. Didn't work, but yeah, it was just kind of a mock thing. <laughs> but it was just like they were just like, oh, oh that's a that, that's a good stunt. <laughs> so that, so yeah, so then we went to the national championships and they didn't win, but they got fourth place. And fourth place got us to the European Championships. Wow. Oh, they were called the European Championships. They were also basically there were people from Saudi Arabia, Australia, America. So it was a bit more in Europe, hmm. um, and we came last but one. But yeah, I mean, we still. had to go to Holland. We yeah, we went to um, Delft in Holland, and and it was just like, yay! Uh, but that's the sort of thing you kind of do with schools and things like that. Yeah, you know, I'm never going to forget that. And somewhere, yeah, over there, just kind of the other side of the computer, I've got a, a clog. Yeah, we, we went to the Netherlands. You can have clogs. <laughs> so the guys painted this clog. And it's like at the end, it's just like, when I left the school, it was just like, yeah, that's coming with me because it would just get thrown away otherwise because it didn't mean anything to anyone else. Yeah. And it's just like stuff like that, yeah, makes up for all the kind of the rubbish things and the horrible things, you know. Yeah, we, we got, I, had, I had to tell a class once that one of their, their friends wouldn't be in because his dad had just been killed. Oh. I, I, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's hard. Um, you're dealing with people, you know, and people uh, are the yeah. worst. Yeah, I just, I mean, just after I, just after, in fact, just after I had to leave work, uh, one of the students that I'd had in my form in year seven, I'd known for quite a few years in that school I moved to with, with the Lego. You know, 18 years old, he does cancer in three months. Oh shit! Yeah. And stuff like that. Just yeah, that that kind of makes teaching hard, but it's mm-hmm. it's a worthwhile career. Um, and yeah, it could be great. Uh, yeah. I enjoyed teaching it. And other sides, yeah, I still, I'm mean, gonna carried on teaching. Teach, once you get, I think once you once you are a teacher, whatever you're, whether you've worked in a school or whether yourself blacksmithing or, or whatever, it doesn't matter. I think once you're a teacher, you, you stay a teacher, it's, which can it's be annoying. Like a, people it's, I think it's more like a calling than an actual job, teaching anything. Yeah, for good teachers. Yeah, there are people who try okay. to do it as a job. And generally, sometimes they can be good. But I, I have known people who've kind of gone, yeah, I can't really be able to do anything else. I'm going to become a teacher. And they're not, they're not good. Then, they don't then care. Let's, 
let's focus on the one with the calling. Yeah. <laughs> very yeah. smooth, very smooth. <laughs> I, I, I just want to round off with, uh, and also to ruin your transition segue thing. Uh, that of one, course one, you my, do. my dad went from uh, working uh, in uh, HR in one of the largest banks in Norway to be a teacher. And he loved the facts of dealing with the kids, but he hated the parents, like with a burning passion. <laughs> You're not doing the job for the for, for the parents. No, no, not at all. The job and, for the kids. But, so you don't have to, to. You don't want to have to deal with them on a daily basis. Yeah. And most of the time, when they show up, it's to complain about something. They have no power over. They have no decision to make yeah. about the setting, and they should just shut up and leave alone. The teacher actually knows what he's doing. Somebody's talking from experience. I'm, talking, I'm, I'm actually no, 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 no. Because I'm, I, I was teaching to adults, uh, young adults, but adults yeah. from 18. I would have loved that one parent showed up and tried to tell me how to teach because he would have been <laughs> welcomed. Wait, welcome with a baseball bat, you mean? With a pointy stick. <laughs> Abs- yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, no, but but my my mom I've, uh, uh, has been teacher f- for uh, forty five years or something like that. So, uh, or all life was uh, stained by having to deal with the parents at the end of the day, and they know nothing about education. They know nothing about what has to be taught to the children during the year. They have, they, they, I know absolutely nothing, but they are not happy with the result of the children in a random test. But fact, that's also all new. The teacher did his job or her job by doing the lesson and, and having a follow-up the next day. If you are not able to give your children 5, 10, 30 minutes at the end of the day to check the homework and if they have actually understood what was going on, that's on you. Yeah. yeah. Your job is to take care of your own children. It's not the teach the teacher's job. Teacher's job is to teach. But a good That's teacher can thing. help a lot. Absolutely, and I'm I'm absolutely hundred uh, uh, percent with Andy. It's 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 uh, um, it's a job that you love and you hate because if, uh, as Jan said, it's a calling you will dedicate your life to what you are doing and you will think about your children night and day and what's good for them during the class, after the class, before the class, on your weekends, on your holidays, you are, you will find ideas, uh, experiment to make, uh, uh, models to show them, to make them understand what, what you actually want to teach them. And yep. it will be big part of your life, uh, even um, to the point that you can forget yourself your family your friends yeah. in in the process and that, that, that can be and, then, and, and that's i mean i've got other health issues apart old. from my back yeah mm. i've got I've, I've got a dicky ticket i'm being old um yeah i've got i've got well i don't have chronic blood pressure because i'm on medication now but I, how much of that blood pressure is, is because of genetic factors yes possibly there is some because it can be but also because of years and years and years of stress and not looking after myself as i should have done um, which obviously there's a bit of a bit of a bit of a, a tail through there, isn't it? I didn't. I, that's not very good looking after we, myself. We weren't going to point it out, but yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah. Actually, I'm not. I only. I'm only 25. I just looked this old. 
Yeah, just have a look at yourself. <laughs> it's been a really hard yeah. 25 years. <laughs> you don't look old, you look vintage. <laughs> That's the same thing. But, I mean, par- parents can be can be awful. Yeah. They, they can drive teachers out of the session. I have seen I have seen parents physically assault oh, wow. teachers. Yeah, I'm for I'm for uh, prison in that case. Yeah, I have I have personal experience of a member of my family who's a teacher who was given death threats by multiple parents, and you know for doing their job properly, just because nasty horrible people. Um, but the majority, yes. let's focus on the good. The majority of kids are wonderful. Kids are great. And the majority of parents want the best for their kids. And the majority of parents are great. And, yeah, but like any... Absolutely. It's, it's all about a few few people in, the, in a, a large number of people that will spoil everything. And it's, like, it's, it, it's classic Pareto. 80% of the parents, 80% of kids are, are fine. But 20% of the kids cause you 80% of the problems. And assimilate parents. Um, yeah. Yeah. So let's focus on the good kids. Yes. Okay, that's that's. I guess that's a segue. Now. <laughs> I just want to say, you want to ruin it again, Russ, or you're just going to go <laughs> no, with it? I, I think once per podcast is fine. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, uh, do I, I need to set it up again? <sighs> we, ha- we know. I, I can keep, I can keep <laughs> doing this for hours. You know, it's... it's, it's uh, do you have a focus? <laughs> do you want to start off? You 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 are allowed to Rasmus. Um, my focus for this week hasn't. Uh, I've got two little focuses for 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 this this week. I'm gonna spiff again. Do we do spiffs on this one? We have to pay Steve every single time, and we. So I've been listening a lot. I've mentioned this on Waffle on, on Sunday. I've been listening to an artist called Mary Spender. Um, I did. I did check her out. That was uh, really cool, actually. I, I just I've fallen in love with her voice. It, yeah. it, her song's great, and it's just great singing. So I've been I've been listening to that a lot on Spotify. If I'm not listening to podcasts, um, but I I you mentioned tools earlier. I I had a new tool arrive today. I haven't got it with me. Otherwise, I'd show it to you. It's not it's nothing particularly exciting to look at, but it's a paper punch. <laughs> it's designed for cutting holes in paper. It's a single tool. It's got a single die. Uh, it's for making uh, things like Japanese stab binding for book binding. So it, it's got, I've got two size bits. They're quite expensive. One came with it, but I needed the smaller one. So I had to buy the smaller one. And it's perfect for, I can cut a three millimeter hole through, I think, 17 millimeters of paper. Wow. Um, and it's just, it's, it's just hand, it's just a hand bit. Uh, it's parallel sided. So unlike a Japanese screw punch that you might use in kind of sort of punching a hole in, say, a, a leather belt. Um, which has it's has a tapered tip. This has a parallel. It's perfectly parallel, and so you push down. It just rotates. You just keep pushing down, and it cuts through paper, particularly really, really easy. It work on leather as well. But I got it from a leather supplier. Um, it's just a really nice little tool. Italian made, stupidly expensive for what it is. It's, it's three bits of plastic and a bit of metal. Like all the yeah, it's three bits of plastic and uh, quite heavy duty plastic, probably a nylon. I'd imagine and this this nice little bit and and, yeah. and this is your first little step into bookbinding so this is this is part of my yeah i've been bookbinding now for a few years i, I don't do it often enough and I, I really should but i enjoy it i did a, i did a stab binding workshop two weekends ago um which i think there's a photo on my instagram of that 
and I'll be doing another one in two weekends time or weekend after next uh, different type of binding same teacher um, in fact my, my only teacher so far and uh, that's going to be a case bound but with a floating spine uh, that's going to be a tricky one so the trickiest one so far I think so, sounds fancy yeah yeah. so that, those are my uh, those are my two kind of attention grabbers spiffs things that grab my attention whatever haven't watched many videos lately. Oh, except I know we've mentioned this on Waffle as well. Uh, That's fine. R- Ruth's Ruth Amos and yeah. her DIY saw stop, and Colin Furs going, "I'm not sure this is a good idea." <laughs> to paraphrase, <laughs> if Colin Furs says that. it's not a good idea. Well, <laughs> it's go probably watch not it. a good idea. <laughs> yeah, but it is worth doing. Yeah, yeah. it's good. Yeah, um, I'll I'll get both Ruth and Mary into the. And show notes. I'll send yeah. you a link to the tools. No, so I already have it. them. Uh, yes, yeah, oh. for the tools, please. I don't have that. Jan? Um, yeah, I actually have two this week. There's been a ton of good videos coming out. Uh, first of one, because it made me laugh so hard, is um, I don't know if you guys know James Hoffman. He is um, like yeah. into, really into coffee and he's kind of like that. He's just a British guy. And even if you're not into coffee, that one is hilarious because he reviews uh, the Makita Makita coffee maker. Yeah. And I mean, it's especially, it's it's exactly how you expect it. Like there's no surprise how he does it, but the storytelling in this one, like the way he acts and even the commercial segment, like this is, I I laugh us up. Like he's, should I spoil it a little bit? No. Yeah. Uh, He's he's getting a freaking acapella band. Doing the commercial with him. We said no, <laughs> bastard. I, I don't care. You all, all, all the listeners spoiled Harry Potter for me. I'm getting back at it. No, just, I mean, even if I say it's, it's like, just watch it. It's so well made. It is so hilarious. It's so funny. And uh, the other one is, and this one is going for our Dr. James, like especially to him. Uh, DIY Perks brought out a new video where he um, makes mm-hmm. a camera lens or like a, for making pictures with like a huge uh, spherical lens. And it's absolutely amazing. DIY perks. So Matt that one is also worth stuff. watching. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's, I think it's comparable. They said to like, a, what, 25 millimeter 0.4 f-stop like yeah. lens or something like that. Like the bulk on that is insane. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's beautiful. And his builds, and just, I mean, every single one of his builds are just utterly beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Also, he seems to have figured out the game, like, the same as Mark Robin, because every single video hits, like, I don't know, a couple million views within, like, the first half an hour it goes online. So he, he, he's yeah. doing the YouTube magic, but it's the projects are fantastic, he does. It's absolutely true. I, I find him interesting because he's, I mean, he, he's insanely clever. He makes exceedingly good videos. Yeah, and he's just got he's got that great storytelling voice as well, like Jay, like Hoffman. Yes, and yeah, he's got that kind of ability to sort of take you along the journey. It's the storytelling. It's the he teaching. does, but compared, yeah, he, he could say he's a lot less energy, like or not not as like. Yeah, he's just he's calm. not he's loud, and calm. enthusiastic. Yeah. He's just calm. Yeah, but he, you don't see him kind of splashing all over social media. He's just got this. True. It's almost like a cult following. Yeah, yeah, he's not doing like Colin Firth making these amazingly. He's making amazing things, but he's not like, oh, let's strap a thousand fireworks to it. Yeah, it's just like, let's just make this beautiful piece of engineering and people love it and follow it. Yep, yeah, true. 
Yep. Red, how about you? Um, what about me? I what about yes, me? What about you? Um, I haven't uh, watched anything really uh this past week because i was uh, pretty busy but i did watch something on sunday which was the hungarian uh, grand prix of f1 and i mentioned oh, yeah. uh, a few months ago how i got into f in the podcast how i got into f1 after watching the netflix show drive to survive um I've, to be honest, I've hated F1 all my life because my dad was a big fan, still is a big fan of F1 uh, races. And so uh, all Sundays he was watching uh, Grand Prix and he was uh, sort of occupying the TV. And as kids, my sister and, and my brother and I, couldn't watch anything else because we had only one TV and so it was like the Sunday curse that you have to, if you want to watch a, a screen, you have to watch the F1 Grand Prix. Uh, so I, I hated uh, F1 races for a really long time. I think what I missed uh, was the, I, I didn't have any connection to the drivers and to the backstories and what who they were and where they come, came from and so on and so on. and. With the Netflix show Drive to Survive, I now have a better grasp of uh, who those drivers are, what's happening uh, off screen when when you are not seeing them drive at 300 and something, something kilometers an hour, which is absolutely insane when you think about it. Um, and yeah. and so I, I really got into F1 uh, probably, yeah, two years ago. Um, and, um, and I really enjoy it, uh, to the great despair of my wife, <laughs> but, but yeah, this, this, this Hungarian Grand Prix was the last of the, the first half of the season. They have now a, a three or four weeks, uh, break, uh, like summer vacation, and they will get back to uh, racing at the end of the month of August. Uh, but now a lot of things are happening because some people are announcing that they are leaving their team, and and so another team is taking the pilots. And oh, yeah, the drama. it's all the, all about the drama of who's staying, who's uh, leaving, and and why, and the announcement. Finally, something new for TikTok. <laughs> all the announcement that they are doing, and it's it's quite interesting to see how teams are um, foolish enough to think that the driver uh, they own the drivers and and it's really enjoyable when you see the driver say publicly fuck them i didn't sign anything i'm not driving for them next next year i'm still free if you want to if you want me to be your driver i'm i'm here so it's it uh, again it's not about the drama and, and all the stories but it's more like um, the personal stories of these very brave men that are uh, risking their life uh, every week just in order to entertain us, which is still crazy in 2022, I, I think. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I got passionate about uh, F1 recently and, and I enjoy it. And the second half of the uh, 2022 season is going to be crazy, guys. So... Yeah, that's my focus for the week. Just fast cars. Fast cars and, and good drivers. 
And lots of drama. Okay, cool. Uh, and some dramas. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> uh, my, what about you? Thank you for asking. My, my focus is a channel as brilliant as called Bobby Broccoli. And it's a... It's kind of a science channel, but it got very much documentary view on it, where he basically takes on... One of, one of the videos that really interested me the most was Bill Clinton and the day physics died, and how the government of the US did everything wrong in setting up uh, something that could rival CERN in the US, and killed physics as a field in the US for years afterwards. That's one of them that I found really interesting. Okay. He's also did one about uh, the Lena picture and how it shouldn't be used anymore and the whole story behind that, which is uh, one of the center pictures from Playboy back in the day that they was one of the first pictures to be used to calibrate calibrate software in image scanning and, comp uh, uh, and file algorithms to store information. Like straight out of Big Bang Theory. I love that kind of humor. Yeah, no, and no, no, this is very much the view of why the hell are we still, or did they still use for 20 years or something a pornographic picture for that? Because it's fun, probably. I mean, yeah, if you're a, still yeah. a teenage little boy, but I mean. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, it, it, it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, he has lots of other videos, really interesting ones. He, he, his stuff goes way back as the, a while, and he's, he's really interesting to see how he develops his persona and character and the way he wants to tell a story. But already early on, it's really fast. Yeah, and I would say it's pretty 2020, uh, 2022. I mean, using a palm picture for that. We got a guy that's like calling his rockets big fucking True. rockets, so... Yeah. We kind of back there. Yeah. I have a last one. I have a last yeah. one. Uh, uh, just occurred to me. Um, talking about science. Uh, they uh, revealed, uh, because that's how they do it now, the poster for the next uh, Christopher Nolan movie, Oppenheimer. Oh, yes. Uh, I saw that. Yeah. And the main character, Oppenheimer, will be... Uh, played by uh, Cillian Murphy or Killian Murphy, I don't know how it's pronounced, but the guy from uh, Peaky Blinders, the main character, the main actor of Peaky Blinders. And I'm really excited by, by this announcement because this actor is absolutely brilliant uh, and Christopher Nolan is most of the time very good. Uh, yeah. Plus, it's the story of Oppenheimer, which is also very interesting. So, yeah, I'm excited about this upcoming movie. Was, was Andy, you probably know, was he the one who had uh, the quote, I am the... Uh, Destroyer of the World? Uh, Harbinger of Death or something. Yeah, something. he did have a quote. Yes. Yeah, and he ended up committing suicide um, because of his involvement yeah, in yeah. the uh, Manhattan Project. Okay, anyway, I, I don't recall. You don't recall. Which, uh, some of the stuff with the Manhattan Project is just amazing. It's like, yeah, the... the when they were building their first nuclear pile, they literally were, were just piling up bricks of enriched material in a squash court. <laughs> what? And they literally had they literally had uh, guys with uh, they were they had buckets of cadmium, uh, which is kind of an absorber, 
which uh, yeah, kind yeah, of stops yeah, yeah. the stop a reaction by absorbing the free neutrons. And uh, they literally had guys with axes, these buckets on ropes, and guys kind of standing around, kind of in the balcony above, with axes ready to cut this if it went out of control. So the yeah, that sounds like a bad idea. The court and absorb the neutrons. The whole, if you read the kind of sort of the story uh, yeah, about how they I, were doing some of these things, uh, if you read some of Richard Feynman's books and, and stories about kind of what was happening at Las Alamos and places like that, it's just absolutely nuts. More of that yeah. for the pack and all that. I'm just yeah. kidding. Uh, yeah. oh, <laughs> I'm just shitting you guys. Uh, just to round off, Kyle Hill did, has done a lot of videos on the whole nuclear history. And anyone who's interested in all of the really crazy wild stories that occurred around the development of like nuclear technology in general should check out Kyle Hilson, uh, his YouTube channel. There's some good stuff from the UK as well, because the UK was the first place to have a working nuclear reactor uh, for generation of power. So we didn't generate the first pile, but we generated it in the first first place. We also had the first nuclear accident. Yeah, UK. Um, yeah, we like to get these firsts. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's, there's an interesting story about it really, really quick. The guy who built the, the, the who was in charge of building the, the power station and the reactor basically thought, if something goes wrong at this point, then we need to have something to protect it here. And other people went, yeah, it's not likely to happen. We don't need that. We can build it without it. It's not imperative that we have this built. But he insisted. So when that nuclear accident happened, that saved it. It could have been a whole lot worse. But one guy basically said, no, we're going to do this right. We're not going to listen to the people who want to save money. Good man, we're going to do it right. Speaking of yeah. good men, Andy, where can people stalk you and listen to more of your ramblings and hateful about teaching? <laughs> well, lots of, lots of, lots and lots and lots of places. Because uh, I seem to have lots of, I have too many. I'm, a bit, I'm an idiot. Don't look after myself properly again. Um, Main com most common place to find me at the moment is Maker's Waffle. Uh, YouTube, Instagram, uh, Jamie Reader, Custom Cave, you had on a few weeks ago. I yap for hours, waffle for hours with guests every Sunday evening live and then we start this podcast. Uh, I have a YouTube channel called Tell Some Tinker, which hasn't had a video in a little while. Uh, but maybe in September, once my, yeah, once my youngest we, we, starts we, we, school we properly. Like more of those. And, yeah. yep, and I have an occasional podcast um, which is not very regular, but hopefully will be more regular again in September, uh, called Thoughts on the Tinkerage. Uh, Instagram and Twitter's Andy CPU. I think that just about something. And, oh, and Physics Mad. Yeah, don't forget Physics Mad. YouTube channel and a website now. I've got a website going. It's doing that on the weekend uh, because I'm no tutoring, so I need a website. Very good. Yeah. I think that covers them all. There are very others, nice. but I think that's enough. Uh, yeah, and if you want to find the rest of us, you can do that at any of the mostly social places at two-thirds focused as well as patreon if you want to get i, I guess what 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 is it now you don't get pornographic material by signing up to the patreon or do you do no yeah so if you no. don't no. want to get spontaneous pornographic material from us <laughs> sign up on <to> patreon <laughs> uh, <laughs> and if we do only fan yeah is that only uh, fans and you can mm -hmm. find me at nah. rasmus lewin and lewin smith at no if you are blacksmithing curious which is a weird sexuality yeah. when I come to think about it. But anyway. don't, don't interrupt me. <laughs> payback! What, payback! What, uh, no, we interrupt you. You don't interrupt us. That's, uh, what, what's, what's going on? You can find me at Redsmith on The Redsmith everywhere on the internet and at TheRedsmith.com. 
And you can find me at notamender.com or notamender on the usual socials. Thank you for being on, Andy. Thank you, Andy. Yeah. Thank you. This is probably one of your longest episodes now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I have that. <laughs> don't, don't worry. We'll, we'll... <laughs> Bye, everyone. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, you can edit it out. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye, folks. Bye.